0: TJPK, we are joined now by David Aldridge. He is the editor in chief of the Athletic DC. You've seen him on TV. You've read him for decades. He's been covering the NBA for a long time. David, welcome to the show. Hey guys, how are you? We're doing well. We're doing well. We both read your uh, your story. I think one thing we can all agree about in the digital age, whatever its downside, you got more room to write. You wrote and you wrote. And there was no one to cut it for space. Sorry, it's great, David. We just don't have space. You don't have to hear that.
1: No, that's always a good thing uh, in the writing writing space. Um, We don't try to abuse it. But when you need to take 2,000 words to discuss something fairly complicated, um, the good news about being at The Athletic is that I have the opportunity to do that.
2: So we really enjoyed both of us. Uh, well, I've enjoyed your coverage over the years, but enjoyed this particular piece. Both of us, DJ and myself, PK, we are California transplants. We moved here in the early 90s, but we've been here now coming up on close to 30 years. And uh, we've seen this community, and we know a little bit about it. And so it seems like any time something like this happens... The issue of minorities, and then obviously with the NBA, it's African Americans, how comfortable they can be in Salt Lake City. And you talked to Mike Conley and Derek Favors. You probably could have talked to as many guys as you possibly wanted in your three decades of covering the league. My thought for you is how much of it is it still a concern, the perception out there meaning the states and the rest of the world, the rest of the country, as far as this being a welcoming
1: place for African-Americans? Well, I I think it, you know, if you only go by what, you know, Mike and Derek and some of the other players on the team now have said, that they are, you know, things seem to be a lot better. And I think that kind of jibes with what, the anecdotal evidence and the physical evidence in terms of demographics would tell you that, um, as you guys know much better than I do, I think Salt Lake City is a much, much more increasingly diverse city than it was maybe 20 years ago. Um, and so I think diversity always, um, helps minority groups feel a little more comfortable, a little better. Um, and you know, I just think it's they, they the point of the story was that you know, there was this, and it's, and I, and I said in the story that it, it doesn't mean that it's still there, but it was there at one point. I'm sure as you guys, yeah, know, that there was right. a perception among many black players that it just was not a good place to go. People did not want to play there. Um, I still think it's very difficult for them to get free agents to come there. So, to me, the the thing that's interesting is that they have convinced all of their black players of of significance on the roster to not just stay, but to stay for a long time, to sign, you know, long-term contracts to remain there. I mean, Jordan Clarkson last year would have had a lot of suitors, I think, or he could have signed a one-year deal with them and been a free agent this year. There's a lot of teams that have money or um, are going to have money and would have an opportunity to give it to him. Uh, he knew that. His agent knew that, I'm sure. Um, and they opted to stay long term. You know, you could say Rudy Gobert can't turn down $200 million and there's, there's some truth to that. Um, it's hard, would have been hard for him to turn it down in Miami or New York if he was there. Um, you know, but Donovan Mitchell certainly took the money. Um, Derek Favors came back, which I think is significant. Um, and signed a three year deal. Um, I think that's very significant. Um, so those players over the last, three to five years have really embraced not just the notion of playing on a good team, because the Jazz have been a good team under Quinn Snyder the last several years, but to make a long-term commitment to the franchise and to the city, and I think that's significant.
0: So, there's a uh, there's a lot of nuance to the discussion, and you address a lot of it, and my guess is being around the league as long as you have, and, and seeing you, you know, seeing what you've written and what you talked about when I've seen you on TV, you know, you probably could have gone 20,000 or 200,000 words if you'd chosen because <laughs> there's, there's so much nuance to this. But I think one of the points that has to be addressed, and, and you're better at addressing this than PK and I think, but it seems like on one hand, there's the topic, well, if I go there, there's going to be a lot of negative behavior towards me. How are people going to talk mm-hmm. to me? How are they going to treat me? All of that. But then there's also, is there a community for me to fit into? Mm-hmm. Is there, um, you know, you, you had a really interesting quote. I think it was from Favors, where he was talking about, hey, some stuff he just can't buy locally. He's got to order on Amazon. So it seems right. like there's a lot of tears to this discussion when you talk about how comfortable and I am I going to be in place X in this case, Salt Lake City. Uh,
1: yes, absolutely, and I think that's part of the, you know, part of the. The, the the difficulty in talking about race is that you're also talking about class at the same time in, in a lot of cases, right? So, you know, someone like Derek Favors, who's making a lot of money, he can go on Amazon and get whatever he needs that's not available. And so it's okay. Like, you can live in Salt Lake City if you can have whatever you need shipped in. But for, you know, a lot of people of color in Salt Lake City who aren't making that kind of money, they may not have that luxury. You know what I mean? So that's why it's a... It's a it's a new it has to be a nuanced discussion because it's not one size fits all. Um, I can only talk about black basketball players because that's what I cover. And, you know, I I don't I don't cover uh working class America. Um, and so I cover people who are pretty rich for the most part. Um, and so they are able to kind of do things that other people aren't. And so you have to have that. You have to understand that when you're writing about these things, and so, but I tried to limit it to black basketball players in Salt Lake City because even, you know, twenty, like I said, twenty twenty five years ago, even the fact that guys were making money did not make it worth their while to go to Salt Lake City in, in large case, in many cases. So that has changed, and I think that there is a positive to be um, gleaned from that that guys do feel more comfortable. But to your larger point of is there a community there, I think it's hit and miss. I think it's hit and miss. I mean, I still think guys are going, you know, there's not a whole lot of, I mean, there is a black community in Salt Lake City, don't get me wrong. I know there's churches there and there's there's certainly um, communities there, but it's not as diverse and as large, I think, as as people would feel especially comfortable being. And you have to kind of make the the conscious decision that you're going to live in a community where you don't see a lot of people that look like you every day.
2: Yeah, I don't think anybody could argue that. It's still uh, relatively minuscule, if you want to say that. That Derek, or I was going to say Derek Favors, but Derek Harper quote of years ago, and both DJ and I were living in the community at the time, that stung, you know, that yeah. you go live in Utah, and it's it's still out there. I'm wondering, It it seems like, from the, the glory years of the two Hall of Fame guys up until – through uh, Carlos Boozer and favor uh, Darren Williams and now these guys. It yeah. seems like all the guys who've been here, the minority guys, which in large part obviously are black, that they like it. There, there was a quote. We played a quote, uh, Radio Bite. Uh, favor uh, Boozer was down in Miami. And the radio guys bought into the typical stereotype and said, ah, you know, you had to play for the jazz and blah, blah, blah. Gosh, basically, how did you how much did you hate it and he said yeah it's not really that bad so the point being when guys get here they end up liking it and we know and you've already said it it's hard to get free agents how much do you think that the fact that the guys who've been here african-american dudes who've been here for an extended period they can sell it and say they like it can help the jazz going forward the next five ten years
1: well, I'll say this. I don't think it hurts, certainly, right? I mean, it doesn't hurt that the, the guys in the main um, who who play different roles on this team um, have all kind of said the same thing about how they like playing for Quinn Snyder. They obviously like the style. Uh, the, the team's the best team in the league right now, so what's not to like, right? I mean, you're, you're, you would have an opportunity to play for a very stable organization. They pay. Um, they're not cheap. Uh, they do. They pay for their players market rate to stay. Um, so certainly, I think there may be opportunities down the road um, for the Jazz to not. You know, again, realistically, do I think the young, you know, great young players in this league, when, whenever they become free agents, is is Utah going to be on the top of their list? I mean, I. I don't think it will be. I'll be honest with you. I, I don't think it will be. I don't think it'll be at the top of Luka Doncic's list. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think it will be. But that doesn't. That's okay. It doesn't matter if you're drafting guys or you're bringing in guys and they like it and they want to stay. What you can do, which is what a lot of championship level teams do, is that you get those veterans. And you guys got Joe Johnson a couple of years ago. You know what I mean? That's that's big to me. When you get a guy at the end of his career or who's nearing the end of his career that still can play a little bit and help you win, those are the types of guys that help you win playoff series. You know, a Joe Johnson and people like that, that 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 are veterans. And so if you every couple of years are adding, you know, a seasoned veteran who's taken less money to come play for a winning organization that has a chance at a ring, that's a big deal because you've got the core group in place already. But those vets are the guys that can help you, you know, in in a in a play in a game on the road, you know down 3-2 or down 3-1 and make you believe you can still win and make plays, those guys help you. And so if the Jazz can can continue to bring guys like that in, that's a big deal.
0: We're joined right now by David Allridge, longtime NBA reporter. He is now the editor-in-chief of The Athletic DC. He's got a long story. Uh, the headline is... Flying high this season, Utah Jazz, again, grounded by questions of race. And this conversation just keeps reverberating. So you write what you wrote. you got a ton of quotes in it, but everybody knows everybody. And you've been a reporter for a long time, and players know who you are. They probably watched you when they were in high school or college. So I'm curious what kind of feedback you get, either texting, you don't really go around the league and You're not popping in locker rooms these days because of the pandemic. But I'm sure you still get some kind of feedback because the conversation is ongoing. What have you heard since you've written it from around the league?
1: I think, you know, look, nobody wants to rain on Utah's parade. They're having a a magical season. They have a great chance to win the championship this year. Um, So you want, you know, you'd have to really be looking to write something negative about them, right? I mean, so you're, you know... the the point of the story was going to be a fairly positive piece. Um, And then of course the, the Elijah Millsap stuff happened and you just go, wow. Okay. We're right back to it again with Utah and race. And so what I have heard from people, look, look, I know Dennis a little bit. I don't know him as well as other people do. Um, I've never gotten that vibe from Dennis Lindsay ever. Um, So I, I don't, I would never say I know someone well enough to say they couldn't a There's absolutely no way they could have ever said or done something bad. That would be ridiculous. We've all done bad things and said bad things in our lives. Um, but I certainly been talking to people around the league have asked, you know, whether it's black reporters, you know, it's black agents, black players, and all of them. You know, I haven't heard anybody who has had a bad thing to say about Dennis Lindsay. I'll just put it that way. <laughs> you know, um, I think he seems by all accounts to be above board, completely professional, wants to do the right thing um again, the proofs in the pudding if if people had a problem with this organization, I don't think those guys would be staying. I think they'd be leaving. <laughs> you know, so to me, that does not mean that that couldn't have happened. I'm not saying it couldn't have happened um but it would be completely counter to what that what he has done in terms of building that organization what what Quinn Snyder has done and, and and as I wrote in the piece, you know, I had Andre Patterson reached out to me. I mean I didn't seek him out at all. He texted me and said, Hey look, I want to I want people to know this is my relationship with Dennis Lindsay over the years. Um and I've known Andre a long time and you know Andre's a pretty solid guy, you know, so for him to kind of say to make the reach out to me, um, said a lot to me.
0: For people who don't know, Andre Patterson worked in Utah uh, 2015 to 17 and he's now in the Cleveland organization so a little backstory there. Go ahead PK
2: So David this is an entirely unfair and probably inappropriate question but it's what my, what I do in my role on the radio uh, if, mm-hmm. if these claims are true and I don't know if they are or they aren't but if they are just on the assumption that they are is this a fireable offense in your mind?
1: You know I that that would obviously be up to ownership um it would be a very 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 bad statement and i think it would be very difficult to come back from something like that if it were proven to be true especially since dennis had pretty categorically denied that he said it um if it's if it is proven somehow that he did indeed say it you're not only dealing with what he said you're dealing with With that, he lied about what he said, which would which would be to me a fireable offense. Yeah, good point. Thank you. You know what I mean? So, I mean, if you cop to it and say, "Yeah, I said it in the heat of the moment. It was a terrible thing to say," and I, you know, then you know you can make a you can make a judgment on whether it's fireable or not. Some would say yes, some would say no. Um, But to me, the fact that he has very strongly said that that did not happen, that he did not say it, I think kind of there's no middle ground here. Either it's going to be proven that he said it, or it's going to be proven that he didn't say it. Um, so I don't know how you could it would be hard for me to keep him if, if it's proven that he did, but I will find out. I am not in any way saying that. I believe he said it because I wasn't there and I don't know. <laughs> um, right, so right. I will, the investigation will determine that and we'll bear that out.
2: Yeah. Good point on the, on the, on the lying. And, and, and Dennis has been very strong about it. So that uh, it'd be interesting to see what this league investigation finds. It's a, just an interesting thing all along, I guess.
0: So I'm curious to the bigger point when you talk about, um, you know, getting players to Salt Lake. And certainly, mm-hmm. you know, the question of race has come up in the past. It will come up again in the future. Uh, But there are probably people listening to this saying Durant went to New York, well, Brooklyn, uh, Mm -hmm. and LeBron went to first Miami. He did go home to Cleveland, but then he went to L.A. So regardless of how these issues play out in the future in Utah, Portland, Utah, Denver, Indiana, I don't know, go on down the list, whatever other market you want, if you're not a top-10 market and if you're not in a warm-weather spot – uh you're not getting big time free agents anyway and the way the super teams are going you got to thread a pretty fine needle to get among the league's elite. Is there anything or what if anything is going to reverse that trend?
1: No, I don't think so. I mean it, it, that is very true. Um throw Milwaukee in there also. Yeah. Um you know, your mid to smaller markets are going to have a very difficult time getting free agents. Very difficult. Um it's just the nature of the beast. It's the nature of where guys want to live. You know, guys want to live in the warm weather cities, and you know, in LA and Miami and places like that. um Even New York has not been able to get a whole lot of. You know, they haven't gotten the top guys for a while now. now they've gotten a few free. They've gotten free agents here and there because they had money, but they have not. They've struck out on everybody of significance. You know, including Durant. And everybody thought he was. They were the leaders, you know, going into 20, 2018, 2019. Everybody had the Knicks kind of at the top of the list. Um, and they haven't gotten it done. So it's, it's, there aren't a lot of targets. I mean, Chicago's never tried really in the free agent piece. I think Chicago could get free agents. They've never even really tried. Other than Dwayne Wade, they haven't really gone all out on anybody. And that's just kind of a philosophical, organizational kind of thing that they do up there. Um, cause I think they could get people to come to Chicago, but, um, but you're right. There's no question that, that the mid markets are, are always going to have difficulty bringing in marquee free agents. That's why, um, I have no problem. In fact, I think Utah is a model to me of how to do it, which is, you know, you, you have to. You have to hit home runs in the draft and go and Mitchell are home runs, home runs, you know, no doubt about it, 450 foot home runs. (laughs) Um, And that's what you have to do when you're, when you're in in a mid market, Um, you have to really hit the draft. Well, because having the ability to kind of control a player's salary for the first four or five years of their careers is just massive. And then again, you get, to a point with with a Mitchell or with a Gobert, when they get to their second or third contracts, if you can, you know, if you're willing to pay that kind of money, and we saw Sacramento didn't want to pay Demarcus Cousins and and wound up trading him, and, and so uh, Gobert they they paid, and this year he's more than lived up to it. So um, that's always going to be a, a, a challenge for mid markets. But the ones that do it well, like Milwaukee, I think, or, or, and like Utah, I think you you can win big and you can have a chance. And that's all you can ask for, if you're any NBA team, is to have a chance. And I think those two teams have legitimate chances of being finals teams this year.
2: I want to run a theory by you, and maybe it's a bias and maybe it's a hope. I spent 23 years working for newspapers and now that I've been in radio, my mindset has changed. You know, in newspapers, you don't root. But in radio, if you have your teams win, it's good for business. So I want to see them win for selfish <laughs> right? reasons. So maybe it's my bias that I'm bringing to the table. But in my mind, today's players are so sophisticated in that they can overlook some perceived negatives and will look toward obviously the money, will look toward the winning culture, will look towards the stability and management, which includes owner, GM, and coach and they have that sophistication to know a good situation, even if it's out in the middle of nowhere in the Rocky Mountains, that that can attract them because of their sophistication today and the world being so much smaller with all the technology. So that, along with drafting well, maybe they don't get the premier free agents, but they can get guys that can help their ball club as you say at the end of their careers or towards the end of their careers like a Joe Johnson so the point being the sophistication of today's players can help the jazz not only survive
1: but thrive do you buy that yeah yeah I think there's some truth to that yes I mean I certainly don't think I don't think markets matter as much as they used to because you're right I mean you know Oklahoma City had two league MVPs right? I mean they because they it doesn't matter where you play now. Everybody sees every game, right? So there's no um bias in that regard. There's no there's much less bias, I'll put it that way than there maybe was 20 years ago. Um so yeah, there's no question that you can play, you can get commercials and endorsements. Doesn't matter where you are if your team's good and you're an exciting player. I mean, I think you have to be an exciting player. I don't, you know, I think Donovan Mitchell has a much better chance of getting national TV contracts than Rudy Gobert does, Royce O'Neal. You know, no disrespect to them, but what Donovan does is exciting, especially the young people, and that's what advertisers—that's who advertisers cater to. So, yeah, there's some truth to that. Um, it's all, but it's still a challenge now. I mean, I don't want to—I think you, I don't want to sugarcoat the challenge. It's significant. You have to be as good as Utah has been in getting players for it to work. Because if you don't. You really struggle. I mean, it's really hard um, to continue to put a competitive, winning basketball team out there. Um, you know, Milwaukee got Giannis. They drafted Giannis, and that changed everything for that franchise. And the chances of that happening again are probably one in a million. You know, just that you, at at thirteen in the draft, you pick a guy who's, who becomes that good. I mean, it just does not happen very often that you do that. Um, so there's some luck involved, but but they were smart enough to see the potential there. And um, but you have to be that good when you're in a mid market and you're in a middle, you know, a, a middle type of market in the NBA. You you really do have to be great at drafting.
0: David, last thing before we let you go, if you're handicapping the rest of the NBA season, if the Lakers are healthy, are they the favorite?
1: I think so, just because I I just think Anthony Davis makes them so difficult. You know, LeBron is LeBron. He's still great. Um, Anthony Davis just makes it really hard to defend them, and and he makes it really hard to score on them. I mean, he's a better defensive player, I think, than he gets credit for. Um, So the combination is just very difficult to overcome. LeBron, we know LeBron can take – four other guys of any type to the finals he's done it before right <laughs> um when you add a, another top five player to it it just makes it really really hard and they're you know they're role players play off of that those guys I think are, are big time players you know KCP and, and people like that and Mark Marcus Morris and or Markeith Morris and guys like that I think that If they don't have too much pressure on them, they they can make shots, and that's all they need to do in the playoffs is make open threes. Um, And we saw defensively how good they could be last year. Now, there is a fair question. They were good last year, but they also had Dwight Howard, who played very well for them in the bubble. We'll see if Gasol plays well in the bubble. And, you know, I'm not – he's a good player, but I don't think he brings the physicality that Dwight brought that I thought really impacted Jokic in that series, you know what I mean? Like he really went after Jokic physically. Um, that's not Mark's thing. Mark is a, you know, Mark is a very cerebral defensive player and smart in that regard. Um so we'll see. We'll see. I, I think there is a vulnerability there, but I do think it, all things equal with everybody healthy, I would certainly put the Lakers at the top of the list. But I you know, I think Utah, I think the Clippers, I think they're they're all they've for certainly if they get it together and they're showing signs here and there, um, you know, I think the margin is small, but I would say the Lakers are in favor.
0: Well, David, we enjoyed the story you wrote for The Athletic, and thanks for coming on the air here with us for a few minutes. We appreciate it.
1: My pleasure, guys. Thank you for having me.
0: David Aldridge, longtime NBA reporter, now working with The Athletic. He is the editor in chief for The Athletic, D.C.